The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to remind you each and every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter that's been published since 1981, believe it or not. That's uh, titled Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. And my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes a newsletter called What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? The best place to go uh, to uh, subscribe to either of those letters is miningstocks.com. That's miningstocks.com. Actually, you have to put your name on uh, a waiting list to sign up for Chen's letter. He will be taking new subscribers during the first 10 business days of the new year. Uh, but until then, you'll have to put your name on the list. You can subscribe to my letter anytime at miningstocks.com and also put your name on the waiting list uh, for Chen at miningstocks.com. The best place to go to to follow everything that I do is J. Taylor Media. That's J-A-Y taylormedia.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter under the handle J. Taylor Media. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. And we want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Uh, our sponsors for today's show is our NanoStruck Technologies, uh, Paramount Gold and Silver, Columbus Gold, and Golden Arrow Resources. Well, the resource sector, of course, has been in the doldrums for some time now. I'm looking at a, uh, at a chart. It's called the uh, S&P TSX Global Gold Index chart. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've been meandering around at a level for most of this year between about 160 and 200. And to put that in perspective, over the last 10 years, that, those are the ranges that we saw in 2003-2004 when gold was well, only a little around $300 or $400. So gold trading where it is now um, is, is uh, you know, the gold shares have certainly been, uh, have been uh, hurt very, very badly by a number of factors. And uh, we'll be talking about some of those factors and what the prospects are 
uh, for the gold mining shares as well as other metals uh, markets today, too, when we talk to uh, three of our main guests they are going to be on together today, Brent Cook, Eric Coffin, and John Kaiser, three uh, three newsletter writers that are competitors of mine, but people that I hold in very high, high regard for the quality of their work and their integrity. So uh, I look forward to talking to those uh, to those three gentlemen uh, and look for uh, some insights into how we can make some money in a very, very depressed, uh, uh, a very, very depressed sector, the mining sector. Uh, talking about our sponsors a little bit today, Nanostruck Technologies is the only non-mining company that's a sponsor at the moment. And this is a company that's, uh, well, it's had some management issues. I think they've got, they're getting that straightened out now the way it looks. I expect we're going to hear a lot more from Nanostruck Technologies. Uh, I was just realizing they had a press release that came out the other day. Uh, and it has to do with uh, food uh, specialties wastewater trial. Well, Nanostruck is using nanotechnologies uh, to clean uh, to clean water. And if there's one commodity that the uh, that everybody needs a must-have commodities, almost next to oxygen, it's water. So uh, Nanostruck Technologies, I think, is a very promising story. Uh, if they can deliver anything close to what they are, are claiming they can deliver before they went public, then I think this is going to be a huge, uh, huge home run. In addition to cleaning water, they're also engaged in uh, remedial, uh, well, waste remediation for uh, mining dumps and have uh, claimed the ability to recover a lot of very valuable platinum group and other precious metals from waste dumps in South Africa. The company's also been involved in uh, running some water uh, cleansing projects in Mexico. So I look forward to uh, to hearing from the CEO. I actually spoke to him last week. Nanostruck Technologies, 14 cents a share, 78 million shares only outstanding. So you can imagine if you've got a successful company that's selling at these levels, uh, the, the upside is enormous. Of course, uh, other people will argue if you're uh, if you're buying a stock at 14 cents, uh, it's probably only worth that. Uh, well, that's what they said about a lot of other companies that turned out to be winners over over the years. Of course, when it comes to the mining sector, the odds are not in your favor uh, in terms of an exploration company going the route and and finding a deposit and putting it into production and becoming. Uh, a major uh, company or major success story. That doesn't happen very often, which again is why I'm looking forward to talking to Brent, Eric, and John to try to help us figure out how we can uh, play this sector, make money in it without getting burned. And it's been very difficult not to get burned in this sector. But um, uh, at the same time, it's at times like these uh, when probably uh, the best opportunities are out there. So uh, we'll, as I say, we'll be talking to those gentlemen a little later. Um, Columbus Gold, another sponsor uh, of uh, of this show, has come out with a press release uh, that's today, actually, talking about how they are now in the process of um, beginning an $11.8 million work program on their Paul Isnard project. Uh, it's a 5.4 million ounce gold project in French Guiana. And what really has me excited about this company, and it is a recommendation in my newsletter, and I do personally own shares of this company, what has me excited about it was the recent... Uh, agreement with Nord Gold. Nord Gold is a Russian company, very aggressive Russian gold mining company that is having a lot of success, and they are going to be funding entirely this uh, this 11.8 million dollar work project. 
Nord Gold can earn 50%, actually 50.01% of the project, uh, but the terms and conditions of this, I think, are very, very favorable. We will be speaking uh, to the CEO of this company, uh, Robert Juster, sometime in the near future uh, to get an update on uh, on this project. But this is one, I think, that uh, with this major company as a partner, uh, I believe that uh, Columbus Gold has a very good chance of being a huge winner. And Columbus Gold today is selling at $0.30 cents with 102.8 million shares outstanding. And the other two company sponsors that are uh, the companies that are sponsors to this show, Paramount Gold and Silver, ha- is selling at $1.25, 155.6, 7 million shares outstanding. But they do have a gold equivalent ounce resource in two different projects, one in Mexico and the sleeper mine in Nevada, that uh, totals just under 10 million ounce gold equivalent ounces. So with uh, deep pockets and, and good funding behind it, uh, I think that's another company that has a great chance for success. I do also own Paramount Gold and Silver, and it is a recommendation in my newsletter, uh, as is the case with Golden Arrow Resources. Not too much news coming from that company recently, but they do have a project, a silver discovery uh, in um, in Argentina near the Chilean border. Um, and, uh, well, just a little under 100 million silver ounce, equivalent silver ounces in the ground right now and uh, lots of exploration potential. Uh, it is Argentina, which no doubt is part of the reason the shares are selling at only 18.5 cents. So, of course, uh, political risks are always something we have to keep in mind, and I expect that we'll be addressing those issues with Brent and Eric and John as well uh, later today. Well, where are these markets going? Ultimately, the um, the metals markets are dependent on the real economy. And what we've been seeing is a slightly improved real economy. I, I'll give you that in terms of what's happening in the United States. But what we've really been seeing is a major move higher uh, in the equity markets. And the equity markets seem to be actually cheering for a bad economy. Believe it or not, the equity markets... They would like to see a bad economy because that means that we're going to continue to get quantitative easing. As a matter of fact, I thought it was really revealing when the mere mention or suggestion of a possible tapering of QE resulted in the bond markets and the stock markets tanking. It tells me that this equity market is really based on the phony money creation of the Federal Reserve, a quantitative easing by the Fed. I, uh, I'm a big fan of Martin Weiss. I don't know if uh, those many of you out there listening to me probably are aware of money and markets, and it's something you can uh, – it, it comes – I think a lot of good free information comes. Of course, they are trying to sell their services. I realize that. But uh, Martin Weiss was just talking today in a missive that he put out about how preposterous it is uh, with all of this quantitative easing. And you put this in perspective and realize that the enormous amount of money creation – uh, that has occurred since Lehman Brothers. Uh, if anybody try, believes that we are in normal times, um, I would challenge that. I don't see how you can say uh, that uh, the kind of enormous explosive creation of money and credit uh, is um, uh, is normal. Um, we just to give you to put it in perspective a little bit. Immediately prior to the Lehman Brothers failure, the Fed reported that the money base was $849.8 billion. Uh, this past October, it was $3.6 trillion. That's an expansion of uh, $2.7 trillion. Uh, 
enormous, enormous amount of money creation in a very short period of time. And this $2.7 trillion expansion has taken place with, within just six, six years and one month. Now, instead, uh, if instead the Fed had continued to expand the money base at a normal pace um, by the same amount it had since 1961, it would have taken nearly 150 years to come up to that um, to that level of 2.7 trillion or 3.6 trillion dollars of monetary base. Well, so far it hasn't resulted in any in uh, any serious inflation. I would argue that inflation is uh, is much higher than what we are being told it is. I think John Williams' numbers in terms of what it actually costs to keep a family of four alive is much higher than the than the 2.7 percent or 1.7 percent the government claims. Uh, but nonetheless, we haven't seen anything like what a lot of the uh, gold bugs have been predicting, a runaway hyperinflation, certainly nothing like that yet. But we are seeing clearly enormous amounts of money creation. Keep in mind that money in a fiat currency system, unlike that that's backed by gold or silver, is really uh, debt money. Debt is the raw material from which money is created in a fiat currency system. And so what we have is debt is growing exponentially. If you look at a chart that shows total U.S. dollar debt, it's growing exponentially. And income is growing in a linear fashion. So the, uh, so the spread between uh, the debt servicing capabilities of our economy is getting wider and wider. We're, uh, we are becoming, I would argue, increasingly insolvent with each and every quantitative easing that is put out there. And it is uh, certainly not gaining traction in the real in the real world, uh, in the real economy, and so uh, that is a, a major concern to me. And I think probably a major reason why we haven't seen the metals markets perform better uh, than they have. And as I said, we will be talking to Brent Cook, Eric Coffin, and John uh, Kaiser later in today. Actually, in just a couple of minutes after our first commercial break, the, the three gentlemen will be joining me later in today's show in the second hour. Uh, I'm going to be talking um, to Daniel McAdams of the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity and Ron Paul's um, uh, chief of staff when Ron was in con- Congress, Jeff Dice. They'll be joining me to talk about uh, to talk about various issues. I'm going to talk uh, to Jeff Dice a, a little bit about uh, about Obamacare, and we're going to be talking to Daniel McAdams about uh, some of the foreign policy issues that he's involved with at the Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. Well, we uh, we certainly do. Uh, we're looking at markets today that are down a little bit, but this equity market's been on fire for sure, and uh, it's all because we have a bad economy. Yes, well, that's at least that seems to be Mark. The markets are are very very happy. Uh, when we get bad economic news, they don't like it very much when we get good economic news. But Janet Yellen has come along and said, never, never fear. Uh, we will make sure that equity prices continue to rise forever and ever more. And uh, that is supposed to have a trickle-down effect on the real economy, which is supposed to then create jobs uh, and, and stimulate the economy. Uh, I would say so far, uh, at very best, I, I would give that policy a D a D minus, perhaps, but in any event, that's a that's an issue that um, you know policy and a free market orientation that I have. Of course, you wouldn't expect me to be applauding uh, this this kind of uh, monetary and fiscal policy. Uh, but we are going to have to go to break now. And when we come back, we will be with uh, Brent Cook is going to Brent Cook, Eric Coffin, and John Kaiser uh, are scheduled to be with me. 
and uh, we'll talk to these gentlemen about what's actually happening in the uh, in the mining sector, in the exploration sector. Is there is there a chance? Is there a way we can make money uh, in this very difficult market, or could now perhaps be the best time to be looking for opportunities? We're going to go to break now, and when we come back, um, I'll be with my guests Brent Cook, Eric Coffin, and John Kaiser. So don't go away. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Paramount Gold and Silver is a U.S.-based exploration company with multi-million ounce gold and silver deposits. Paramount's primary asset, the Sleeper Gold Project in northern Nevada, is located in one of the world's most prolific mining districts. Paramount's gold equivalent resources stand at over 7 million ounces. Paramount trades on the NYSE under the symbol PZG. For more information, go to www.paramountgold.com. Paramount Gold is located for success in gold and silver exploration. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and it's really good to have with me today three newsletter writers, uh, I guess competitors of mine, but uh, three guys that I hold in very high esteem. I'm talking about Brent Cook, Eric Coffin, and John Kaiser. Uh, Brent and Eric have been with us before, uh, but this is John's first time on the show. He is an independent analyst based in the uh, San Francisco area who has covered the junior resource sector since 1983. He graduated from the University of British Columbia, Vancouver in 1982. After a decade working as a research director in Vancouver, he left the brokerage industry in 1994 to launch Kaiser Research Online and create the rational speculation model as a, as a tool to evaluate uh, the speculative value of exploration projects. Uh, Kaiser Research Online is a subscription service uh, that publishes his analysis, provides uh, searchable information uh, on over 1,700 Canadian-listed junior mining exploration companies and tracks trends within the junior sector and their relationship to macro trends. Brent Cook uh, has been with us before, but just uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with Brent and Eric, just a, a quick bio. Brent is a very well-known exploration geologist, and he is the author of Exploration Insights. It's a mining and exploration investment letter. Uh, and Eric Coffin is the editor of the HR. A, that's Hard Rock Analyst family of publications, uh, and he um, he has been uh, had been working with his brother, uh, who uh, who is deceased, unfortunately, a very untimely death and a very sad situation. But Eric has 
uh, done an extremely good job uh, even without his brother David. So I want to thank all three of you guys for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for the invite, Jay. Thanks, Thanks to have uh, all three of you with me. You know, all of us guys have been in this business for a long time, and uh, I've been writing my newsletter since 1981, actually, and uh, working as a banker full-time and, and did it as a hobby at one time. But uh, this seems to me, this this downturn that we've had now going on, I guess, about two years or so, is, it seems to be one of the roughest periods that I can recall. How does it stack up with uh, in in the minds of you guys, uh, Brent? Maybe start out with you. What are, what are your thoughts? Is this as tough as some of the others we've seen? Well, it's certainly tough. Um, in my my view, it's not that dissimilar to what we saw in the '97 bust that lasted, you know, into 2002. Probably one of the differences now. I think John can address this better than I. But uh, we're seeing. You know, the stock market in general, just you know, all this easy free money jumping from sector to sector, and we're completely mm. out of favor right now. And the problem we face is, you know, globally, I think, is that we've got very few long-term value-oriented investors anymore. We've just got mm. funds and cheap money chasing these things, and uh, that that's hurt us a bit worse than, than previously. Yeah, it would certainly seem to be the case. Uh, the attention span of of investors, of people in general, but uh, but nobody wants to sit around. And and God knows this this industry has uh, is longer term than almost anything else you can think of. Uh, John, you, you have some thoughts on that? You know that ninety seven to uh, two thousand and three period was really brutal, and uh, part of the brutality was Briex turned out to be such a disappointment. But there mm-hmm. were all those. Uh, Fabulous discoveries like uh, Arequipa, Boise's Bay, Lac de Gras, which kind of kept the hope alive that the juniors mm-hmm. through discovery could deliver big new, big new wins for us where we get 10 baggers, 20 baggers, even 100 baggers. However, the last decade was different in that we became addicted to higher real metal prices and uh, it was old deposits that was that the story was all about. Deposits hauled out of the woodwork, stuffed into companies, and much of the money uh, invested in them was to demonstrate their feasibility. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. makes it so troublesome now and different from before is we have seen the real metal price gains evaporate with this uh, hideous cost escalation that has mm-hmm. clawed back all this profit that we thought we saw and all this, you know, two hundred billion. The $128 billion worth of juniors taken over by the majors, a huge pile of that is, has been written off, so we're sort of saying, oh my, everything that we thought we did so great has evaporated on us, and we're probably facing flat metal prices for a few years, and there were only a few discoveries in the last decade, and if anything is going to nourish us in the next few years, it's going to be new discoveries, but the market doesn't believe new discoveries are possible anymore. That's why this thing, this this situation, I find extremely troublesome right now. You know, it uh, almost, uh, if I hear what you're saying, John, it almost seems worse than because you had those other major discoveries that you just mentioned in the other downturn during that time frame. I remember, you know, making the case in my own letter that it's possible to even make money in a bear market, uh, you know, if you if you can pick the right stocks. But it's it's very difficult to do that now, isn't it? So, very difficult. Uh, uh, Eric, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I would. I would. Uh... I guess, in a sense, I agree with both Brett and John. And to me, it doesn't feel yet quite as bad as 
as 97 2002 that was that was pretty brutal um but i i think john hit the nail on the head i mean we've, we've got a huge credibility issue right now where there were so many takeovers that ended up being failures uh so many frankly crappy resources were drilled off and made into larger but still crappy resources mm. and and this is something uh this this is something that that i've i've worried might happen because you know, I, I looked at company after company after company, and I know John and Brent did the same, and you look at all these deals with, you know, half a million or a million or a million and a half ounces, and a, a lot of them have issues. And I, I really think the only way we get out from under this, because if you look at metal prices, if you look at a 20-year chart for pick any metal, it doesn't matter. And then you'll take a look at the venture index, which is as good a proxy as we've got for the juniors. It's a confusing picture, because someone who just landed from Mars and looked at those two charts would say to themselves, I don't understand why that venture chart looks so horrible. Like, yeah, it's a pullback from the highs, but 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 the the way the ventures of the ventures traded and the juniors have traded is much worse. And I think that points to the credibility issue. I, I think we've got to get back to what created the bull markets in the eighties and nineties. I think juniors have to try to go out and find new stuff. And I stress the word new. And mm-hmm. we got to recognize the fact that until the majors clean their balance sheets up, and it's going to take a year or two. Uh, most of them aren't going to be shopping, and any major I've talked to has been very, very firm on the point that the only thing they have any interest in is high-margin deposits. They've been burned too much. So if you're not looking at high-margin deposits or the potential for them, I just don't think you're going anywhere. Yeah, John, you mentioned uh, the real price. Uh, are you talking about all the metals in general, or would that hold more true of some metals than others? Have the precious metals gotten hit harder in their real price? Because I know after the... Uh, after the Lehman Brothers' decline, uh, I tracked the price of gold relative to the Rogers raw materials, for for example, and that correlated. and And the real price of gold went up very dramatically then, because a lot of the materials prices went down compared to that, and that correlated very well with the major mining company profits that surged for a couple of years after two thousand eight. And then we had, of course, the nominal prices are still higher, but the real, but the costs have gone up dramatically, uh, and so the real price of gold has fallen. Uh, very substantially, I've seen the, the mining company profits along with that. So that's at least part of the story. But do you do you see that as across the boards with copper and some of the other metals as well? A, a decline in the real price. Well, what we have is the yes, it is the increasing cost, the uh, reaching for lower grade or more metallurgically challenged deposits, uh, which has uh, clawed back the uh, apparent. Uh, uh, big gains in the in, in, in the metal prices, the real gains. Uh, all those mines that were in production when by in 2006, when uh, the metal prices took off, uh, they were all put into production with much lower metal prices uh, uh, in their in their cutoff grades and so on. So yes, they made money hand over fist uh, uh, by virtue of not having foreseen that uh, China would uh, create a super cycle that would drive up demand for raw materials far beyond what the mining industry was equipped to, to provide. Um, but there has been catch-up. There has been a mine supply response. Uh, China itself has increased its production of, uh, of most metals, which has taken care of some of that demand. And so we've seen the prices stall out. In cases like nickel and zinc, we have seen significant retreats from the peaks that they have achieved. Copper is still pretty close to its peak of about four dollars and and even gold it's still up four or five times from uh from where we started but if if the all-in cost uh, for uh 
gold production now is $1,200, uh, that tells us that uh, we're back to square one. We haven't really gained anything by these uh, you know, big nominal price increases in gold. You know, and that's why as I look at this chart, I'm looking at it right now, the S&P TSX Global Gold Index that uh, shows up on the Stockwatch uh, website, go at back over 10 years and we're right back where we were. 2003, 2004, and at the at the bottom of the uh, Lehman Brothers uh, uh, decline. So that uh, it seems like the market's pricing uh, pricing uh, pricing these shares where they where it should per, perhaps. Uh, it, do you guys believe that? Do you think the markets are being efficient and we're having a we're having crappy share prices for a good reason? The economics just simply don't justify higher prices. Anyone anyone want to take that one? Uh, Eric, I think that's well. I think that's partially true. I mean, I can remember, uh, I can remember sitting in a bar somewhere with my late brother a couple of years back, and this was sort of right after things had topped out at nineteen hundred, and and uh, a guy came up to us. It was at one of these conferences. He wasn't a subscriber. We didn't know him, and he he was quizzing us about majors, and and uh, this guy was quite frustrated, and he was saying, you know, I bought, you know, I I bought Gold Corp. Seven eight years ago, did really well on it. The thing was trading at like fifty times earnings. Now it now it's trading at like fifteen times earnings. Like this doesn't make any sense. And mm-hmm. Dave and I kind of looked at him and said, "Well, it does make sense." Like I said, "How does it make sense?" Gold's gone from three hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. And Dave looked at him and said, "That's why it makes sense." Mm-hmm. When gold was three hundred dollars, people were buying ounces in the ground. People were willing to pay a, a fairly large premium because the people buying the stocks when gold was three hundred dollars thought gold might go to 600 or 900 or 1200 mm-hmm. I think in order to get the same multiples now, in order to have the market paying up 40 or 50 times, the implicit assumption is those people must think gold is going to go from $1,300 to 26 or 39 or $5,200. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's that many people in that camp <laughs> that really believe that. So in a sense, the, the margin... You know, one, the margins haven't had the spread that we all hope for when prices went up, but it's partially just, I think you're looking at people's forward assumptions about the gold price. People simply are not as optimistic as they used to be, which mm-hmm. means they're not willing to pay up just for the ounces. They're, they're paying up for the earnings, but not for the ounces. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense. I, I think that there probably are a few of us crazy guys around who think that we're going to see multiple thousand-dollar gold <laughs> I mean, prices. I disagree with that. And, 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 well, I'm not saying. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. I, 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 and, I, and I said a few of us crazy guys. It didn't include any of the, you three. Uh, yeah, yeah, but just but uh, as a whole, I just think I don't think there's as many people making no, I that would agree. trade, if you will. I would agree with you. I mean, what are, I mean, most people are going to follow what the major uh, brokerage houses, the major uh, you know investment analysts are saying, and they're not certainly predicting anything like that. So, um, you know, I mean, that's but that's gold. And uh, I'd like to ask you, um, get your opinion. Ask you uh, all three of you if there are some other markets, other metals that might look better right now in terms of the fundamentals, the uh, supply and demand fundamentals for uh, for some other metals. And we do have to go to a commercial break. But uh, let me throw that out to you, John, perhaps. You you have some ideas of, uh, I think, maybe there's a base metal or two that you like that you think look particularly or, or more appealing now, perhaps, than, uh, than the uh, precious metals? I would uh, look at uh, zinc as really the only uh, base metal out there that... Uh, has any chance of developing an uptrend in the next couple of years, and that is because it has been the most hated metal, perhaps next to lead, 
uh, out there, and not a lot of new supply is coming on stream. China has dominated the supply market by producing from all these smallish uh, uh, polluting mines, and there are a number of major zinc mines are shutting down, have started to shut down already this year, and will shut down. And if China manages to shift to a, a more of a domestic consumption economy rather than a uh, export-driven economy, uh, zinc demand will rise just as zinc supply starts to subside. So I think there is potential for zinc plays in the next couple of years where we go into demonstrating the feasibility of existing resources with most of the other metals except for obscure ones like tungsten and so on, which have a security of supply, supply aspect to them. Uh, I think they're going to be flat for a couple of years. Eric or uh, Eric, any any ideas along those lines? I, I mean, I, I I would agree with John. Actually, the one the one base metal that to me that looks like it's got the best fundamentals, although it's it's hard to get the market to care about it, is, is zinc. Um, we've all been waiting a long time to see some of these really large deposits like Brunswick, a few things like that, start coming off stream, and the relatively historically high prices over the last few years kept a lot of those mines alive, but they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. So that there are some quite large mines coming off stream in the next 18 months or so. So I, I think zinc looks pretty good. I've always liked tungsten, but it's a small market metal and it's difficult to get pricing on it for most people. And it's um, the market, it's hard, to, it's hard to get the market to care about it. But if I saw a good, like a really good tungsten deposit with good infrastructure, I'd be all over that because that's that's one of those metals where if you find the right deposit, you can make a ton of money. And I, I like PGMs too, but I just haven't been able to find a good project outside of South Africa, which I'm not comfortable with. I'm I'm kind of waiting for Brent to dig one up so I can steal it. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of PGM projects, uh, you know, Rick Rule makes the case that you know he's extremely bullish, and I think he can make that case uh, on the basis of you know the South African problems, of course, but. Uh, there's there's one I'm familiar with, and I'd like to ask all three of you to perhaps opine on this when we come back from the break. Uh, we do have to take a commercial break now, but the Wellgreen project in the Yukon, and now uh, since there's been uh, a management change there, uh, perhaps uh, start out with uh, with you, Brent, when we come back on that, and maybe ask you also if there's if there's some other if there's a metal that you think might be looking more attractive than the precious metals. But we do have to go to break now, and when we come back, we'll, we'll pick up on that topic. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm back here with Brent Cook, Eric Coffin, and John Kaiser. Uh, when we went to break, I uh, raised the question. I think I'm, I don't remember who it was. I think it was um, Eric. Maybe you had said you're looking for a, uh, a platinum group uh, project, a platinum group metals project. And I uh, raised the issue of the Wellgreen project. Now, I know that's uh, you know, a huge, it's a huge deposit. Uh, and uh, there's maybe some metallurgical issues there. Maybe there's some infrastructure issues. I'm not sure. But, but any thoughts on that from, um, I don't know, who would want to start with that first? Uh, Eric? Um, I, I haven't looked at it for a while, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. We looked at it when it was really taken off three or four years ago, and, and it, you know, it kind of got away from us and we lost interest. I'd, I'd have to go back and honestly revisit the numbers because, um, mm-hmm. you know, especially in in light of, say, nickel prices, I mean, nickel's six bucks a pound right now, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the, the PFS was down at like nine or ten. I, I got to see how much impact that would have. Utah's not not the cheapest place in the world to build anything, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, for so sure. I, a nickel. I really have to go back and, and revisit because I don't. I don't even off the top of my head. I don't even know what the grades are anymore. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I don't recall either, but nickel is a big part of that project for sure, it's, uh, uh, and the platinum group metals combined with gold. Uh, any, uh, yeah, Jay, I've spent a fair bit of time on this one, and particularly since they brought in the new management, which is an improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue, you know, there's a lot of issues associated with this thing that need to be overcome, primarily metallurgy. Mm-hmm. Um, the ore occurs with something called puritite, which gets stuck in the concentrate and degrades the, the grade of the concentrate. And that's mm-hmm. got to be pulled out before it goes into the concentrate. So they're looking into, you know, handling that metallurgically. And, you know, that's number one. Once they get that out of the way, there's also an issue of it's it's a potty deposit with high-grade bits and low-grade bits. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to selectively mine this thing to concentrate on the higher grade and then bulk mine it towards the end of it. Uh, so there's a lot of work to be done on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I agree with what Eric said about PGMs. They, to me, in terms of metals, they are the most interesting in terms of supply and demand. Where supply comes out of South Africa, Zimbabwe, and Russia, and there really is no other place out there that uh, I can find a good uh, PGM deposit. And I've, I've looked really, really hard. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an interesting metal, but I wish I could find something that gets me excited enough to buy it. Mm-hmm. And then Wellgreen certainly isn't there at that point yet for you, I not, guess. Not, not, yet. not there's, yet. There's some hurdles to get over. Once they're over them, it'll be a great one. Yeah. Of course, you want to get it You, you want to get it before the market realizes that the hurdles are out of the way, if they even care, if the market even cares. Well, and John, have you followed that one at all? I've looked at it a, a bit. Uh, I think trying to package this as a platinum-palladium prospect is uh, is a bit misleading. It is a nickel-copper uh, mm-hmm. Deposit. Uh, they've. It used to be treated as a smallish underground, a higher grade type of system. Then they mm-hmm. decided to do a big 300 million ton inferred resource. 
But the issue here, as 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 uh, as, as Brent has already alluded to, is uh, is is the nature of the concentrate. How much of the platinum palladium will actually be recovered into the concentrate, and how much of it will be payable payable by the uh, by the smelters? Uh, uh, at the end of the day, you may not have an awful lot of platinum palladium left over. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one should look at this as a base metal play with possible platinum palladium uh, byproduct credits and not look at it as a primary platinum palladium play. I mean, even right now at current metal prices, the two represent only 26% of the in-situ gross metal value of the rock. Yeah, well, of course, the uh, PGMs are a, a sexier way to, to promote it, I suppose, but uh, what you're saying is maybe that's, that's not really the on- most honest way to do it. Uh, well, anyway, it's a, that, that's one that I've been following a little bit, so I was uh, interested in knowing. Thanks for uh, passing along your, your views on that. How important is, uh, is gold to, the, to this sector in general? I mean, it seems like gold is the driver, and why should that be the case? Uh, John? I think, unfortunately, the, the trend in gold, you, you can see it. It's very visible in the market. Even junior stocks that are in biotech, go down when gold goes down and are perkier when gold goes up. Uh, we have become so addicted to the whole gold price narrative and its trend that we are now trapped in it. And, and, it, and it is quite unfortunate that this is the case. And only several years of uh, gold doing nothing and us enduring an ongoing uh, metals price bear market will cure us of our addiction to the what is to a large degree manufactured volatility in the gold price. Manufactured volatility in the gold price, you wouldn't be implying uh, manipulation here. You wouldn't use that. You're not that kind of a guy, are you, John? That you would? Oh, not, not, not big structural manipulation where the goal is to make it go down to zero, but the, the whole trading culture that we have now is all about being on the right side of a swing, and it doesn't matter. Crank it up, mm-hmm. crank it down. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just make it move around and be at the right, on, at the right end of the trade. And, and that has washed into the junior sector too, and that hurts us. We, we are not getting investors who are like making bets on the fundamental outcome of a play mm-hmm. they're just mm-hmm. looking to be on the right side of volatility and unfortunately with the juniors which as Rick Rule likes to say have no intrinsic value the the the, the game is skewed to the downside where you can now just lean on the market suck up suck up any capital that comes in from ordinary speculators and then just uh, continue to lean on the market and spook existing longs into selling and enabling the shorts to cover their positions. It's turned into a capital stripping mechanism thanks to the changes that the Canadian regulators have introduced. Well, John, it sounds, you know, you're basically, I think, echoing what Brent said a while ago in terms of the the attention span of investors, and it seems like nobody really cares too much about fundamentals. It's about being on the right side of the trade and momentum plays and so forth. So, I mean, if, as I look at a chart of this gold market now, I mean, it, it's... It's hard to get optimistic about this. I mean, I, and, I'm t- and I'm talking about a guy that's heavily biased towards gold. I, I look at something. I mean, it looks like a thousand dollars is possible yet, or, or slightly above that. I, maybe we'll hold where we are now. There's a, a base being built, but uh, John, you said something about a sideways market for for years to come. Is that really what you're looking for for gold and the other metals? Well, years to come. I, I'm thinking uh, uh, one or two years. I think oh, in the case please. of gold. Uh, there is an agenda to uh, 
beat up gold, get it down to $1,000 and change the narrative. I think the trap we're in is that gold has been hijacked by a poisonous, apocalyptic narrative, which uh, if it actually becomes true, it is detrimental to everything else that Wall Street and Main Street has going going for itself in the future. So if you look mm-hmm. at the articles on Bloomberg right now, uh, they've been really stepped up since April. They have this uh, hostility towards gold where they're trying to break the gold narrative from the sort of stuff that you're talking about most of the time and switch it to something else. I have a whole different view on gold. I think gold is a function of prosperity and long-term structural anxiety. And uh, I think some of the policies pushed by the apocalyptic gold bugs are actually harmful to the global economic future. And uh, with all the austerity and depression and that, that everybody wants to cure us of our ills, uh, I think uh, that will make gold go down a lot lower than it is now. I think in several years, Wall Street will have changed this narrative, linked gold to a growing global economy and a recovery in the United States, and then they'll be into the gold equities because that's where the leverage is. And I'm not talking about gold going to three, four, five thousand dollars in nominal terms. That doesn't help the equities because I'm interested mm-hmm. in the real price gain and the profit Absolutely. margins opening up. And if gold, I, I could see gold recovering back to fifteen hundred dollars in the in the next year or so. And higher if China comes out and tells us how much gold its central bank has actually bought since 2009 mm-hmm. when it last updated us. So, so gold is the hope for a rapid turnaround, and it doesn't have to be going to the moon. Just get back to $1,500 and start grinding up as the global economy starts to prosper, as the United States gets back on track, and, and get away from all this uh, nonsense about the end is nigh. Well, let's uh, let's stay on this topic of a sideways market or or something between the range. What I'm looking at on the chart between that 1500 that you're talking about, sort of on the upside, the ceiling, and the floor of around 1200. Now, God forbid we go to a thousand, but let's say we can hold around 12 1200 and uh, and 1500, uh, and we have another year or two. Uh, I'd like to ask each of you if you have some. Some ideas of how would you play the market? How how are you? How would you best suggest to your subscribers that they proceed? I mean, I just you have to be very conservative. Look at high grade deposits, or, or what are you looking for? Uh, maybe start with you, uh, Brent. Yeah, I think you know to some degree I'm, I'm in agreement with what John laid out just before. Um, what what we're seeing in the major mining companies or all mining companies is they're sort of shooting themselves in the foot right now with their high grading, which is sterilizing a lot of their resources, mm-hmm. putting the best ore out. Uh, they're laying off all their exploration staff. They're halting development projects, and they're basically sticking their heads in the sand. Um, that works in a normal business, but in mining, you've got to keep finding new resources to replace what you've got. So the way I'm playing it and the way I'm working with my, you know, this is my personal money, which is what I talk about mm-hmm. in the is there's going to come a time in the next year or two when the few companies with solid high-margin deposits, management, or enough cash to survive and do intelligent deals uh, are going to be extremely valuable. And that's solely what I'm really focusing on is those few projects, management teams, or companies with cash to survive. And I think they're going to do really well after we get through this, uh, you know, probably six months to a year and a half of basically bouncing along the bottom. 
but there, there is little doubt in my mind that looking forward after that, there is going to become a serious need for the majors to acquire what few deposits out there that work. All right. Do you have some names uh, either uh, on the on the majors or the the producers now, uh, or on the ones that might be uh, the targets of the predators? Sure. I think I think uh, B two Gold is one of the better uh, organized, most more efficient actual mid tier mining companies out there. Uh, Alamos is doing quite well as well. On the uh, smaller side, development size, a company called True Gold Mining has a very nice, low-cost, low-capex project in Burkina Faso. And I'm also putting money into some of the prospect generators who are capable of turning over uh, new concepts and having uh, somebody come in and test them. I think they're going to do quite well, the ones that can survive. And just, just for you know your listening audience out there, I've got a... Uh, paper I'm happy to send out called Mining Meets the New Normal. It kind of goes into a lot of detail of what we've talked about. So those are the sorts of things I'm doing, and those are some of the stocks that I actually own and, and consider worth owning. Where, uh, How can people avail themselves to that, Brent? Mining Meets uh, the New Normal. Just on my website, Exploration Insights, there's a little contact button. Uh, send me an email asking for that, and we'll be happy to send it along. Mining meets the new, the new normal. Okay. Uh, Eric, what about you? If we have a sideways market here for a while yet, another year or two, how are you playing this thing? I'm looking, I mean, it, it's sim- similar to what Brent's doing. I've been looking for, or just sticking with, I suppose, companies that either have large cash balances where I'm comfortable that management knows what they're doing. And in some cases, these companies don't even have much, by the way, of projects right now. They're looking, but they're they're the kind of kind of companies that uh, know how to get things cheap in this market. Uh, I also follow I also follow True Gold, and I agree with Brent. I mean, I think the capex is going to come in around 100, 120, which I think is going to be quite doable. I, I, to me, that feels like something that's going to get built. Um, I think Rocks Gold, which is a, a very high grade million ounce deposit, also in Burkina Faso, is another one that it should get built. I mean the I, I think the feasibility numbers on that are going to look fairly extraordinary just because of the grades. And I'm, I'm also always constantly on the lookout. Um, I, I've kind of started a running list for my alert subscribers that I'll be, you know, adding or removing companies from. And these are more, I mean, I call it the Hail Mary list, but these are companies that are at the expiration end because I, I do firmly believe and I, I recognize how hard it is to pick discoveries in advance. It's extremely difficult, believe me. So I'm trying to find companies that have all the right parts, in my opinion, and that are working on things because I think Brent's very, very right about uh, everybody at the majors and at a lot of juniors putting their head in the sand. And, you know, it didn't work the last 10 times, and it won't work this time either. I mean, we've all seen this movie before. And normally when you come out of one of these markets, the the companies that have prepared themselves, uh, that have some cash, that have good projects, and in some cases are already working on those projects, those are the ones that are going to go first. Because mm-hmm. people are looking for companies that are actually doing something. Um, John has kept a running total. At a, I know he updates occasionally on companies that are basically dead in the water. The number gets bigger and bigger and bigger every quarter, of course. And those companies aren't, you know, those companies aren't going to lead the market out of this. And part of the reason why it will, the market as a whole won't look like it's going anywhere, even after the turn, which is what happened in 2001, 2003, is because most of the companies simply aren't doing anything. There's no mm-hmm. reason for anyone to buy them. Um, the only producer that's on my list right now, I mean, I've got a few, but uh, I really like Silvercrest. 
Um, mm-hmm. I've followed them since they listed. Uh, I'm friends with, with the management. It's a, it's a great group of three guys that have built this thing up. Santa Elena is producing uh, silver below 850 cash cost. It's, it's, it's a northwest Mexico. It's in Sonora. The grades are actually quite good for this type of operation. They'll have a mill coming on stream in a couple of months. They should be able to get it from, say, 2.4 million ounces of silver equivalent. And the silver equivalent in this case is it's not a bunch of base metals. It's silver and gold. It's actually slightly more a gold mine than a silver mine right now. Uh, they'll go from 2.4 million ounces of silver equivalent to probably around four in mm-hmm. uh, early 2015. And I was I, I had I did a long interview with the COO Eric Fury the other day, and and they're working on the next um, step up after that. They think they can put more underground a second decline in and and probably bring the mill up to four thousand tons a day from three without mm. adding any capital really. So they may actually mm. get up to four and a half five. It's, it's got a really nice growth profile, and they make money. Like there's not many quote silver producers unquote in this market. The Q three numbers are pretty horrible for most of them, frankly. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, Silvercrest. Silvercrest makes money. It's just a really so well-run company. So they're making money. They can self-finance. They they can grow organically. They've got a good exploration and growth. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of dream. What are they selling at, Eric? Right now, it's it's going for about a buck sixty-five a share. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I, I think they can probably do once the mill's up and running. I, even at today's prices, I think those guys can probably do. Fifteen cents, maybe even twenty cents a share next year. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A profit. I mean, it, it's just, it's just, you know, these guys have basically done everything right. It's been a long time. So they just, you know, not to put too fine a point on it. They haven't screwed up. Yeah, very <laughs> good. Well, we're 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 uh, only got a, a couple of minutes left. Three minutes or so yet, John. Uh, what about you? Do you have some names for a sideways market? Yeah, there's sort of three approaches I'm taking. One is you look for a company at resource feasibility demonstration stage, which is dealing with a project, an you know, open pitable project that's uh, better than one gram per gold. One I particularly like is Midas Gold Corp, which has a one and a half gram average for its gold and metals project in Idaho, and it is doing its pre-feasibility, and it's had the backing of tech coming in and putting in 10 million bucks to buy 9.9%, and they sold a, a gold NSR to Franco, Nevada for about 15 million dollars and 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 the market's punishing this uh this stock because it is skeptical that they will overcome the permitting obstacles in in idaho so this project appears to work even that one thousand dollar gold unless mm-hmm. we see a big change in costs uh, with the pre-feasibility study the second type of project uh, is one what i call a discovery within discovery and a company i followed for a while is Probe Mines, which several years ago made a grassroots discovery at the Borden Project in Ontario, where they ended up with five million uh, ounces uh, uh, ounces at a at a gram. Which uh, they were going to do a PEA at the beginning of this year, uh, but that PEA would have probably helped the company go down to thirty cents or so. Instead, it's over two bucks, two thirty right now, because they discovered a new style of mineralization, a new zone within the low-grade envelope, which they are now tracking. And I can see a million, million and a half ounces of uh, five gram per, per ton gold starting to take shape. We'll get a resource estimate early in the new year. And they are now focusing on developing this as an underground mine mm-hmm. rather than, a, than, than an open pit mine. And there's plenty of extension when drilling resumes uh, from the ice and the uh, 
in, in, in the winter, in January. And the third kind is all-out grassroots exploration, and they're my favorite is Nevada Exploration, Inc., and disclosure, I own a significant position in this company, and they use a new uh, geochemical method uh, involving groundwater to generate targets under the gravel-covered parts of Nevada's basin, where one can argue another 300 million ounces remain to be found, basically on ground, not controlled by uh, by Newmont and, uh, and, and Barrick. And this, if they succeed in turning one of these... Uh, golden haystocks into an actual discovery, well, then we have a huge Nevada play because they don't own uh, 20 of these targets that they've already generated, and uh, much of this inaccessible part of Nevada, inaccessible for exploration, will now become open season, and that has the potential to give us what we really crave for this bear market, which is a kind of distributed area play in which the juniors are the primary players. Yeah, that could really breathe some life into the industry again. I mean, we uh, a major discovery of something new like that could really uh, perhaps suck some money back into this sector, which is uh, so out of favor right now. Looks like we're out of time from what my engineer is telling me. I want to thank all of you guys for coming on and talking to us today. A lot of great ideas, and uh, I'm sorry we don't have another 45 minutes to go because I know uh, we could use it uh, and our listeners could profit from it, but they can also profit from your newsletters. And I'll just mention it's uh, Brent Cook, it's uh, explorationinsights.com. Exploration Insights or explorationinsights.com. That's Brent Cook. Eric Coffin is uh, hraadvisory.com, hraadvisory.com. And John Kaiser is kaiserresearch.com. And I would suggest to all of you that you check uh, the work of these three uh, gentlemen out. And uh, and you heard Brent Cook saying he has a special or a, a, a paper to um, to send your way if you request that. Mining meets the new normal. I think it was right, Brent. And uh, and so get in touch with these guys. They've got a lot of uh, good things to say, a lot of uh, important things to say in terms of how you can protect yourself, keep from losing money. Um, a lot of us have lost a lot of money already in the spare market. So uh, maybe it's a little late now the horse is out of the barn, but at least for the future. And then uh, some great ideas about, because if you do have some capital left now, I think as much more than ever, it's probably a good time to start selectively buying um, buying some of these shares, but you have to be careful, that's for sure. Thanks again, guys, for being with me. Well, folks, don't go away. We're going to come right back with Jeff Dice, uh, Ron Paul's chief of staff, as well uh, as Daniel McAdams, uh, his uh, foreign policy advisor, after the break, so don't go away. I'll be right back. <laughs> 